calling all consumer goods, business owners, and marketing professionals. Does planning content ahead of time stress you out? Do you want to run Instagram and Facebook ads, but just aren't sure where to start? If your answer is yes and yes, then our mini course was made for you. It's 100% free and packed with essential tactics that you can implement as soon as today. To join in, visit our website at umaimarketing.com slash mini course. All right, let's get on with the pod. Welcome to the Umai Social Circle, where we talk consumer goods marketing tips to help business owners and marketers alike grow. We're Karen and Allison, co-founders of Umai Marketing, and we're being joined by Alyssa Padron, campaign manager at the Ronin Society and former program manager at SKU. Thanks for joining us, Alyssa. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Very cool. Well, to start out, we just want to learn a little bit more about you. Did you always have an interest in CPG? Like, how did you get your start? Yeah, I feel like I had about as much interest in CPG as maybe the average consumer, which means like I watched like a couple episodes of Mad Men and was like, oh, okay, there's like some stuff happening behind the scenes here. Um, but prior to SKU, I did not have a ton of experience in CPG. Um, it was really, SKU was like definitely diving headfirst into the CPG world here in Austin, um, which was like a really exciting opportunity. So for somebody listening that has no idea what SKU is, can you give yeah. us just a brief <laughs> overview on what it is? Yeah, sorry. So SKU, the word itself, SKU, stands for Stockkeeping Unit. Um, but it's also the name of a CPG accelerator here in Austin. Um, it's been running here in Austin for going on nine years now. And then within the last couple of years um, that I was with SKU, we expanded up to Dallas, New York, and Minneapolis. Very cool. That's can such fast growth. Yeah. Can you name any brands that went through y'all's accelerator program that people would know? Absolutely. So Siete Tortillas is probably like the most well-known here in Austin. Um, Austin Eastsiders went through there, CD Bath Company were some of the other ones. And then obviously kind of like our big uh, golden child is uh, Epic Bar, who ended up selling to General Mills several years back for something like $100 million. They like never quite disclosed, but it was somewhere around those uh, those nice numbers for General Mills. Nice. Wow. Enough. Those are some big brands. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. <laughs> Um, so we're curious if you noticed any similarities in the brands that succeeded through y'all's accelerator program. Yeah, yeah. I think when I think about that, I think less about the brands and more about the founders and their success with the program. So I think there's a lot of things that can help a brand succeed. But the thing that I saw really consistently, especially you know, specifically within SKU, is that the founders that were like, willing to show up, like asking for the extra meetings with the mentors. And we're just like really hungry for that knowledge and coachable at the same time. I feel like that's probably the most important thing. Um, those tended to succeed. And then of course, you know, for the brand itself, it's like, all right, cool. Like, is it unique? Is it innovative? You know, you can't just be a me too product in the world of food. The first thing that anyone will tell you is like, it has to taste good. Like you can have all of the marketing in the world, and nobody will buy it if it doesn't taste good. Yeah, so true. And I think that's such a good note for founders is to be flexible. I think that it's really hard sometimes to take advice and really take it in and try and implement it and not get caught up in your own ideas of what works and what doesn't work. So I think that's awesome. Definitely. 
Yeah. So how do people apply and what's the process for getting into SKU? Yeah, it's a pretty intense process. Um, I was a bit blown away my first year coming into SKU. We had something like 400 applications to pull through. Um, So you'll go through a pretty basic online application asking you about your product market fit, any financials that you can provide, um, just letting us get to know a little bit more about you as a founder and the brand. And then we'll pull all of that together and we'll have about 25 in-person interviews. Um, And that's where you'll come in and like actually pitch um, your full deck to skew. We'll get to try out your products at that point. Um, And then from there, we'll narrow it down even further. So it's it's definitely an in-depth process. There's a lot of information that we end up asking for from the founders but it's a lot of fun. I tell people all the time now I work in CPG for the samples because the best part of that was like getting everyone's like product in and getting to try stuff and sample things with all the mentors. So it's um, it's a bit of an intense process, but always ends up working out really nicely. 400 different samples. I love it. How many, (laughs) so how many meetings did you say? 25? 25. Yeah. Typically that will, that will do over, over like two days or so. It's a, it's a fun thing to schedule. (laughs) (laughs) so what um what kind of questions are you asking like what can someone expect or what should they be looking to do before they apply to SKU yeah so for specifically with SKU because we end up taking um an equity stake in each of the companies that's involved a lot of the questions that you'll get asked are basically anything that an investor would ask you so things um related to your margins your customer acquisition costs, lifetime value, basically them figuring out the how sustainable this business is, if there's some product market fit, and if that's already been market validated. So a lot of the questions that you'll see in the pitch are not just like, okay, cool, you have this like shiny cool product. It's really getting into more of like, cool, you have this shiny product. Does this business have legs? Does this founder know what they're doing or at least have a team that can help them or is open to mentorship in whatever areas they need help in? Mm -hmm. And is there minimums that you require? For the equity stake or for? For like revenue minimums or anything. Yeah, so we typically look for about $100,000 in annual revenue. Um, That's kind of our like minimum threshold we'll still take other things into consideration. Like if for some reason you just like blew that number out of the water in pre-sales or if you have like a ton of social media following, that's also something that we're looking at. Um, Just different things that are indicators of market validation. Um, Mm -hmm. Only program that differs is our DFW program. That one we're looking at a minimum of a million in revenue. So these are definitely later stage companies that don't need as much hand-holding, but definitely still need some of the resources and tools that we can offer to help get them to the next level. Very cool. So younger brands should still try and apply. Absolutely. I to <laughs> everyone, because people always will like reach out and they're like, oh man, well, I'm just too small. You know, we're doing maybe 25K. And I'm like, apply anyway. Absolutely. The best thing that you can do, the CPG scene in Austin is so small. And the best thing you can do is just like put your name out there, 
get your brand in front of the people at SKU, in front of the mentors and investors there. And then, you know, maybe 2021 isn't your year, but you come back and apply the year after that. And we have some like really tangible ways to measure your growth from one year to the next. Um, And that's, you know, a great opportunity for us to like continue to learn more about you as a brand. Very cool. And something in particular that you just said, beyond revenue growth and beyond the capabilities of a founder or their team is the social proof and having a, you know, a good social following and an avid following that shows that you have built community. And I think that that's a really good note that even if your revenue isn't quite there, as long as you are pulling levers and building community, that that's almost just as important. Absolutely. Absolutely. We just want to see that there is, that there are uh, consumers out there that are hungry for whatever it is you have, even if it's not food. Yeah. (laughs) totally and if you could give any piece of advice to a cpg founder uh, looking to apply for that program what would what would it be keep an open mind definitely keep an open mind i think the worst thing that you can project an accelerator is trying to make it seem like you know it all we definitely want founders that are confident in their business we definitely want founders that know their stuff but it's it seems like it's a, a waste of the mentorship and all of the time and, and energy that we're putting into a company. You know, an accelerator that chooses a brand for their program is doing so because they believe in the product, believe in the founder, and they think that the accelerator has something to offer that the founder or brand is missing. It may be as simple as just like, ooh, like maybe you need some extra call-outs on your packaging and it would be a little bit more clear or maybe, you know, you've got everything else in place and just need the access to capital um, that we can help you with. Whatever it is, just keep an open mind, know that we are here to help um, and and just stay as coachable and, and humble as you can. Cool. And with that mentorship, is it along every single facet of the business? It is. We put together a team of probably five or six mentors um, that have all different sorts of backgrounds. So like if our founder has a marketing background, we probably won't end up putting a marketing person on their team, but we'll make sure they have someone that's really strong in finance, really strong in trade spend, um, really strong in supply chain and things like that. So you really get like a bit of an outsourced C-suite of people that can help you out with really every aspect of your business throughout the duration of the job. That's so amazing. I think the work that SKU does is so impressive. So thank you for being a part of that for so long. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. I, again, didn't realize how quickly we were going to grow like while I was there. And then I turned around after two years and I was like, we have 4x this program. Okay, cool. (laughs) That's amazing. And it was a team of what, three? Just the three of us. Wow. So cool. I know that they're most likely missing you. (laughs) So now that we've talked a little bit about SKU and your background there, um, we'd love to talk about your new venture. So you are at the Ronin Society. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So the Ronin Society was actually a bit Unknown to me until a couple months back, I saw that they uh, had sponsored Naturally Austin and you know, always trying to be one to like keep my pulse on the things in the CPG world. And I was like, who are these guys? All right, let's go see. And yeah, so we work uh, primarily in financial strategy, but they take a really unique approach to working with small market business owners um, that really drew me to them. I was like poking around on their site and I was like, it kind of looks like they're running an accelerator. Um, and they 
are not truly running an accelerator, um, but the way that they have the process tiered out, you go through a couple months of financial visibility and then go on to professional management structure. And then all of that kind of gets you to your growth story. So it's really not just getting all of your financials in order, but making sure that they can kind of like translate that data to the entrepreneurs um, in a way that they understand, in a way that they can you know, manipulate and deal with and work with on their own. And you know, using all of that data to help them make decisions that are the best for them as people and as business owners, um, which I thought was really unique. Um, and it's been a really cool thing to been, be a part of. Can you give us a like a real world example of when or how important that is, like for a brand to understand their financials? Yeah, yeah. So I think one of the things that comes to mind is I so I've been kind of shadowing client meetings the last couple of weeks. Um, to get kind of onboarded and get a feel for everything. Um, and I think one of the conversations that sticks out to me was a client that we had that has just experienced exponential growth. She has just like exploded beyond where she thought she was going to be. She's hitting numbers at year three that she thought she wasn't going to get to until year five. Um, and so while all of this growth is super exciting, you know, she has some really nice systems in place to manage all of the new hiring that's going on. Um, she was sitting there in this meeting and she was just like, I don't know, like I just, all of these things are good. It just feels like a lot all at once. I wonder if I'm ready to go ahead and step away from the business. Here are the things that I'm kind of looking for to be offloaded, things like that. And I'm sitting there and I'm shadowing. And so I haven't you know, said anything, but in my mind, I'm just like, seems like she wants a COO and not a CEO. I feel like she still wants some creative control here. And the strategist that was working with her, you know, said exactly what I was thinking and, and basically was like, yeah, I think, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of growth that's been happening in the last couple of um, years. It's been happening really quickly. Um, I think you need a COO and not necessarily a CEO. Um, and that interaction was just such a cool thing to see because it was definitely like a really like personal moment for her thinking about her role in the business and how much she wanted to be involved um, going forward. Um, but all of that came from a place of being really confident in the way in, in how everything was being run currently. She was confident enough in her business and where it was going, its growth, you know, up to that point and moving forward that she felt like she could step away in that moment. Again, she still wanted a bit of creative control, so maybe it wouldn't be completely stepping away from the business. Um, but having this strategist there that has been working with her for two years now, has seen all of this growth, has you know crunched all the numbers, knows exactly what she can and can't afford. Seeing him walk her through that was really, really cool and really meaningful. And that was the thing that made me realize, I think, the most over the last couple of weeks, like, oh man, like this is, you know, what Ronan does is not necessarily just financial strategy. It's not just like, here's a model. It's beautiful. Good luck deciphering it in Excel. Um, it's really like teaching you, you know, uh, how to utilize these things, how to make it matter and make sense to you. That's amazing. And I, I'm just so curious if you have, um, like with all your experience, if you see that trend with CPG founders not being as great in operations. <laughs> just I feel like <laughs> I feel like operations people are just like one of a kind they're like a gold mine <laughs> um I feel that I, I think there's a lot of I don't know I, I think I felt this way when I was in SKU as well that I felt like my like 
personal responsibility throughout the process was obviously, yes, like connect them to all these people, get their supply chain in order, make sure that they are a really successful brand. But I think a lot of the thing that pulls me towards supporting founders and supporting entrepreneurs is that a lot of these people don't see themselves as CEOs. Like a lot of the, a lot of the smaller startups are just like constantly grinding and just like so stuck in that day to day. It's really hard for them to see themselves in like a position of leadership in a position of control, um, you know, or not necessarily control, um, but in a position of leadership that they feel confident in. Um, and so part of, you know, the process of SKU and also at the Ronin Society is making sure that people are able to feel really confident in what they know about their business to feel more of that like C-suite vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. I feel like they're, uh, I mean, we, we wanted to actually ask you about how important mentorship is. And I think this is a good segue because it's hard to uh, understand that you are a leader and I, there should just be a course for you to take on how to be a good leader. And so, um, and I know you're a big part of mentorship and the past two roles that you've played. So how important is mentorship for CPG founders? So important. (laughs) I can't shout it loud enough. Um, I think even outside of CPG mentorship is hugely important. It's just, it's a, it's a big thing for someone to be able to like step out of themselves and be like, okay, here's what I'm doing. I know it's not perfect. I know it could be better. How can I get there? And like really, it comes from a place of vulnerability, right? Like being able to open yourself up to someone and say like, here's all the nitty gritty of the business. Like, where can I improve? What would you do? What advice can you provide on these specific experiences? Um, A lot of the value of the mentorship um, and I think a little bit more about SKU in this sense of is a lot of these people have been in the industry for, I shouldn't say longer than I have been alive, but a very long time um, and, you know, have been there, done that. Their purpose and their mentorship is basically to be like, okay, cool. Like, here's all of the pitfalls that people fall into. Here's how to make sure that you don't make the same mistakes that, that maybe they did um, in their past or that others have as well. But I think one of the things that I'm starting to see more and more, um, I got the opportunity to work with a lot of college students, a lot of UT students um, through SKU. And I was like, I want to hang out with these guys. Like, I want to learn more about how they think about the world, how they see the CPG market in like a completely different way. And so I think there's also kind of a flip side of mentorship is like find mentors that have been there, done that, have all of the experience. So you can kind of like get those little nuggets of wisdom from, but also have someone that you meet with that maybe isn't like as formal of a mentor mentee relationship, but someone that you know is going to bring a bit of diversity of thought to your business and how you're doing things. And like, maybe they'll tell you what the heck is happening on TikTok and you can like learn more about the digital space there. Um, I think that, you know, again, so much of mentorship is not just the advice part of it, but just bringing diversity of thought to what you're doing. That's uh, very well said. I've never heard anyone extend mentorship in that way. And I think that's so true. And if someone could come and teach me what TikTok is and how to use it, that would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) right and I think that's such a good point I feel like I'm connecting that with another Umai podcast 
guest. Her name was Emily Hoyle, and she was an intern at Sweet Leaf Tea. And she and her fellow interns were driving these marketing initiatives that I'm sh- I know were impressing, you know, the, the the marketing staff at Sweetleaf. And it's these young kids that come in with grand ideas, and obviously not everything is going to hit. But I love that piece of advice to, you know, look to all sorts of people for feedback on your brand and what's working and what's not working and what they like and what they don't like. So very yeah. cool. And even beyond mentorship, like you're saying with Sweetleaf, like hire young employees that know how to do field marketing and things better than, you know, you would ever know how to do. That's pretty cool. Definitely. I had taken on a part-time role for another CPG in town doing a bit of admin, some operations, like a bit of marketing. I mean, it's like super startup where I basically just got to like have my hands in everything. And I was stepping away as I was getting into my new role at Ronin. And like our one requirement was like, we need to find uh, uh, someone that knows TikTok. So we have started expanding on our like TikTok influencer strategy. And I was just like, yeah, it took me two days to figure out how to message someone on TikTok. Like I know there's people (laughs) out there that can do this much better and faster than I can. I'm, yeah, I'm so including my 11 year old nephew. I'm I sure. was going to say, <laughs> there's so many like 11 year olds who have like 3 million followers. It's amazing. Crazy. Amazing. So our moving into the CPG industry in particular. So correct me if I'm wrong, is the Ronin Society specifically for the consumer goods industry? It's a segment of the businesses they work with. So they work with uh, not just CPG, but also e-commerce and professional services, um, as well as a few retail stores that will probably be a focus when retail is a thing again. Um, But yeah, they they focus, uh, CPG is just part of what they focus on. Cool. Well, you're still, you're still in it. You're still... You're, you still have your finger on the pulse in that industry. So are there any current product or market trends that you're seeing right now that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I just really need keto to go away. It is killing my holiday dinner vibes. I just wanted to make like a cool cornbread and there's just like not any good keto bread substitutes. That's, that's, I don't know. Maybe that's my soapbox. Maybe that's the hell I die on. I just, I also think there's just healthier ways of dieting and relating to food, but that's a whole separate issue. Yeah. So there's some of these like more faddish ones that I see coming in and out. Um, I really like seeing CBD on the rise. Um, I feel like we have finally hit a point where consumers are starting to understand the difference between like a high quality CBD that can give you like third party lab testing and understanding of the terpenes versus just like, a $20 bottle you buy on Amazon. I think the biggest thing that I think about overall from like a very macro level um, is just a push for consumer transparency. Um, This goes like all the way up to the policy level with the changes to the nutrition labels not too long ago. There's something that Marissa Epstein, who's the director of the Nutrition Institute over at UT, um, said in a SKU class that just like always sticks with me is just like, consumers are only getting smarter. Like if there are things that you don't want people to see in your ingredient list, do not put it in your product. Like there's just no hiding anything anymore. People are always wanting to do more research, have more understanding of the products that they're buying, not just what they're putting in their body, but 
you know, is it sourced ethically? Is it sourced sustainably? Um, I have stopped buying any new clothes this year. I have sworn off fast fashion. Um, and so I had planned to like thrift a bit throughout the year and just, I ended up not needing any new clothes this year, which worked out nicely. Um, but I think that kind of like higher level of consciousness around the things that we consume is definitely not going anywhere. That's definitely something that will continue to trend and kind of trickle down uh, throughout the rest of the market and, and to all consumers. Wow. So true. And I just have a, a quick antidote. Uh, I was at the store the other day and I was looking in the steak section and the steak said keto on it. And it was just kind of like, well, yeah, <laughs> like, well, yes, it's, oh, no. it's just meat. <laughs> When gluten-free became a thing, I like, there were, they were labeling grapes as gluten-free. And yeah. I was like, why? Yeah. yeah. I mean, marketing, hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, <laughs> I would like to talk more about the consciousness of the consumer. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think consumer transparency, and it's especially when we're in Austin and there's so many better for you CPG brands, it's, it's, really important to, you know, do your best. But I also think that there is this conversation about inclusivity and price point really and availability to the masses. So I just feel so strongly when brands can acknowledge that and have systems in place that make their product more readily available to a very wide range of audiences in specialty and in conventional grocery stores. So um, I think that that's something interesting that we can all really work towards and focus on in the future. So what would be your best advice for small to medium-sized business owners, especially from what you learned from SKU, working with so many of them? Um, yeah. Um, ask for help. Ask for help. Ask for help. I think there's a concept called, is it, is it hustle core? Maybe it's hustle, another word. But it's basically this like concept that you just like have to like be on your grind and just like always just like tough it out and do the thing like working like these 14 hour days and I just don't think that's glamorous at all or or necessarily admirable. Um, I think that you know again kind of going back to thinking about the the founders and kind of having empathy for their emotional state throughout all of this it's very difficult to kind of find that inner strength and that inner confidence um and so i think that one of the biggest things that you can do is just ask for help where you need it like especially here in austin there's like so many treasure troves of resources for budding entrepreneurs and not necessarily just like practical resources, but looking for ways to connect with other entrepreneurs, connect with other specifically solo uh, solopreneurs are, are a big segment that I, I think about a lot. Um, you know, just finding ways to connect with people over similar issues that you're having, um, whether you are a SaaS company or a CPG, there's definitely like things to be learned on either side. So connecting with founders that are kind of in your stage, no matter the industry, um, and then asking for help as far as like, you know, utilizing your network to ask for more practical or, or tactical things. And then, you know, and that other, that last key component is just mentorship and, and mentorship. Awesome. So what are, what would be some like free 
resources that you could think of, you know, whether it's like messaging somebody on LinkedIn or joining a Facebook group or what would be some of your advice to how to connect with those folks? Yeah. Yeah. So for CPG here in Austin, there's tons of groups. Um, so SKU, everyone, SKU uh, every so often will host uh, an event that's open to the public, usually some sort of town hall that'll take place once a month on any particular topic as it relates to CPG. Naturally, Austin is obviously like a huge player in our uh, in our industry that has all sorts of really cool webinars and networking events. Um, I also really just like uh, Wake Up CPG. It's a networking group hosted by Mark Nathan. That's I have always found it a really good place specifically to like seek out other founders in this space. I find that it's one of the spaces where there's a little bit less of the service providers. Um, and not that that's a bad thing, um, but it's a really cool place for people to connect there. Um, and then outside of Austin, there's uh, sort of naturally... Austin is just kind of the Austin branch of the larger natural network. And then there's also a site called Startup CPG that hosts all sorts of networking events, pitch competitions. They just hosted a virtual pitch competition the other day. And then again, just the larger industry publications, NOSH, BevNet, things like that, staying on top of all of those elevator talks. So is that, I'm guessing that's where you stay on top of your networking and news. Are there any like certain CPG entrepreneurs that you follow and anyone in particular that mentors you that we should be checking out? Yeah, um, I feel like all of the the, C, the CPG entrepreneurs that I, I don't know, I, I think I, I categorize them in a couple of different ways. There's kind of like the big ones here in Austin, which are, are you know, obviously we've got our Kendra Scott and Clayton Christopher, and that's kind of what we're all uh, aspiring to in the level of success. But a lot of the ones that come to mind when I think about like who's doing some really cool stuff here in Austin are the founders that are, you know, have a little bit smaller of companies, but are just doing something really cool and exciting. Um, Rebecca Jensen in with Sonara Skincare has put together this like beautiful, just like spa-like uh, line of body care. She's got bath bombs and bath oils. Um, but the thing that like super resonates with me about it is she is also Mexican-American and is using these like Aztec indigenous herbs, just like exactly like, like things that like my grandma would put in a tea. She's like putting this beautiful bath bomb. Um, and it's just like got beautiful branding. And this girl is a hustler. Like she has built this brand from the ground up, like with no CPG experience, like limited mentorship. And she's just gone on and created something really, really beautiful. Um, and I think that's, that's when I think about the people that inspire me, uh, the people that I want to learn from, that's that's the kind of people that I think about. Incredible. I've heard of her skincare line, yeah. but I need to learn a lot more about it because I had no idea that they were, that she was using super authentic to her ancestry kind of ingredients in her products that you don't usually see in a bath bomb, right? You're like seeing glitter and all sorts yeah. of stuff and lavender, but that's very cool. On that note, are you seeing are you seeing that kind of trend? I know a, a huge shakeup across the world this year has been really focused on inclusivity. And are you seeing 
that in the CPG space. I know Austin isn't the most diverse city in the world. It's really not diverse at all. So what are you seeing in Austin? Yeah. Um, so in Austin, there's been a few initiatives that I think are pushing things in the right direction. I think about, you know, obviously Beam coming together to, to support female entrepreneurs has been particularly exciting. When I think of the Latinx businesses that I want to support, you know, obviously I, I have like intentionally shifted my Instagram feed away from like influencers living in California whose lives I will never live to trying to support as many like Latinx artists and makers as possible. Um, they're not all Austin based. One Latinx owned business that I like super love to support here in Austin is actually um, not necessarily in the CPG space, she's in retail, but her name is Mary J. And it's a, a Latinx owned, queer owned uh, CBD store that has just created this just beautiful assortment and environment that's super welcoming to everyone. And so I think of that as like one of the most inclusive places um, that you can shop at here in Austin. Unfortunately, I like that's this is part of the, the problem, I think, is I wish that I could come up with more brands that felt this way. I think one of the bigger examples is obviously Siete. They've done an amazing job staying really close to their roots as a family, staying really close to the Mexican heritage and being able to use that all of those colors and patterns and, you know, kind of vibes um, in their marketing and in, in their branding in a, in a really wonderful way. But yeah, unfortunately, that, that's, I, I wish that there were more. Um, and I think that's, that's part of the, the problem to be solved. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and I totally agree. I'm so happy that in the past year, we've seen a, a change to more authentic influencers <laughs> versus the other that you mentioned. But I did want to ask you um, how how we, how agencies, how CPG leaders, how um, other programs can work to ensure that inclusivity and equality. Yeah, it's, it, that's a big one. <laughs> um, I won't get into like the slightly disappointing statistics of just like how underfunded um, Actually, if you have them on you, we would love to hear them. I, I unfortunately don't. I would know that I think that the one that comes to mind is a little bit is more specific when it comes to um, investing. And it's something that like less than 2% of all investment comes from BIPOC uh, investors. And so it's a bit of this like chicken and egg situation where it's like, okay, well, people we know that people have implicit bias, unconscious bias, people tend to invest in people like them, right? So the lack of funding from us from underestimated founders comes from a lack of BIPOC and female investors, okay? Well, like, how do you get these people to be investors? They run a successful business, they exit, they want to give back. Well, how do they run a successful business? They need the funding. Um, so it just kind of goes on and on and back and forth. And yeah, I think that there's I hate to harp on Austin, but I think especially here, there's a lot of feeling that we want to do good and it's difficult to measure that action. Like everyone knows intrinsically they want to do something to help. Underestimated founders don't need advice. They need 
funding. Like it's so simple. Like I was listening to a panel the other day <laughs> on like underrepresented founders and how to get funding. And there's all these investors and invest investors are like, oh, we'll just like give them some pro bono time or, you know, just like mentor them. And I'm like, invest like money no invest like that's the answer it's it's oh, I, I, hate, I hate that that's the answer. I love that you made that connection that's yeah <laughs> that completely brings to mind um the founder of gold trinity she she was in vogue and I think forbes as well where she was talking about she was denied investment so many times from so many people and then the black lives matter movement exploded this year and all of a sudden it was coming in hot like super hot and it was just a really sad reminder that we have so much further to go but at the very least we're moving in the right direction absolutely yeah and I think one of the things to remember is you know if you're not if you are an investor consciously invest in in people of color if you're not if you're a service provider consider how accessible you are um, consider how people are, how you're able to give access to your resources um, on either a pro bono basis. I know that y'all have put together this like absolutely wonderful um, program that's super accessible for people. I've been pushing people y'all's way. So I hope that <laughs> turns out well for y'all. Um, yeah. And then if you're a consumer, just buy uh, POC owned products. Like think about the people that you are purchasing from, go and do that research learn more about the people that you are supporting when buying your products. And I think that there's a fair amount of that going on in kind of like the greater collective, you know, of, of boycotting brands. There's a whole list of places that I don't shop anymore because I don't love where they put their money. I don't want my money going those places. Um, so shopping with your dollars as a consumer is definitely a way that you can help move all of us forward. Absolutely. That's such great advice. Yeah, it's easy to forget how much power you have as a consumer. Um, so I love that you said that. And I would also like to get your list of places you no longer shop at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take that list too. And bringing it back to, I know you mentioned it before and I didn't say anything, but Mary J. I have purchased so many things from that store and that woman, I, is her name Mary? Her name, so Mary is her mother. Her name is Jay. Uh, what doesn't that work out beautifully for them? Oh my gosh. She is so nice. Oh my gosh. When they first opened, I was in the store a few times. We were at Black Sheep Lodge going in the store and she was just the most helpful, like non-judgmental, especially when you go into shops like that. Sometimes they can be a little bit holier than thou, but yeah. the nicest person. So Austinites go shop there. It's the holidays. Absolutely. I, I just went and did like a little like one-on-one -on -one sneak preview shopping session with ju like just Jay and I in the store, which was amazing. Um, got this like super cute little goodie bag. And I like made this Instagram post about it. Cause I was just like, go support this woman. She's doing cool stuff. And then I like wrote this whole thing out and I was like, this looks super sponsored and it's totally not, but I wish that it was. Um, but it, yeah, just a thing that I like felt really passionate, passionately about was supporting her and, and just everything that she stands for in that store. Very cool. On that note, uh, are there other CPG entrepreneurs that really inspire you similar to Jay? It's going to sound really lame and a little sappy, but my partner 
Um, I date a founder in the scene and his commitment and ambition and drive and just like seeing his bigger vision for not just what his company can do now, not just like cool, run it, you know, get acquired in a couple years. Like he has such a passionate vision for where the business will take him and how it will impact the world. And honestly, dating him has been one of the things that's made me realize in myself, like, oh man, like I have power to change these things. Like, even though I'm not an investor, you know, I'm just a consumer, I can vote with my dollars, support the people that I want to. I can stand for systems that support food justice and equality for all. He's been really instrumental in kind of not just learning about all of the unfortunate inequities of the world, but really helping me feel like I actually have like a pretty powerful part in being able to make that change. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow, well, what's really his name? Bad. What's yeah, his business? <laughs> um, so I, uh, Roman Gonzalez, he's the founder of Gardenio, which is a membership-based um, club. Okay, are you familiar? Yes, yes we, we saw him. a call with him too. Yeah, and we saw oh, him um, pitch his his brand and he, yes. I think he won. He was amazing. Wait. He did I, an elevator pitch. Do you remember it at the Naturally Austin event, not the pitch slam where it was like, it was at Austin Eastsiders. Yes. Do you remember yeah. that? And it was like, who, it was like, Oh gosh, I'm so embarrassed to not remember his name. Who owns the Dallas Mavericks? Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban. It was one of Mark Cuban's investor guys from work and he was there and they were like, who wants to pitch their brand? And he raised his hand out of nowhere and pitched his brand and we were just like, yeah, we're like who is that? He's he did ready. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um and we we loved his concept and everything. So yeah, I, I I don't know if you can see it over here. I've got like a whole bunch of plants in this windowsill. Those are all my gardenio plants. Admittedly, awesome. I'm much better at growing house plants, and it's pretty embarrassing that my herbs don't grow as well as they should, considering I'm dating the founder of this guy that helps you grow your own herbs. But the fact that they are not dead is proof that anyone can do it. Follow along with the app. They got you. Um, <laughs> oh, tell us a little bit more about gardenio. Yeah, so I... Um, have been lucky enough to kind of like get such an inside view of, of the business um, and kind of what they do. So uh, they was you sign up for your first box and you get three plants. Um, they send you everything you need. You get not just seeds, but a live plant, all of the soil, the pots, the right kind of mulch for your plant and the environment that it's going to be in. You get a care guide for each of your plants and then you log them in the app. You can go and like name your plants different things, which I always find helpful because I'm like, oh no, I can't kill Jenny. Like, <laughs> no, man, I got to water her. Um, <laughs> the app is great. It, it um, helps you follow along. You'll get little notifications. Um, it'll be like, hey, it's going to freeze outside. You might want to bring your plants inside or, you know, put like a, some sort of plant jacket over it. And then every three months after that, you'll get an additional plant. Um, if your plant dies any time within the first three months that you get it, like basically no questions asked other than like, unless you just completely neglected it, I'll send you a new plant, which is very exciting. He's, he's a philosophy uh, or he studied philosophy at Brown. And so he has this like whole concept of like reframing death and being able to do that through plants and just kind of being like, yep, it died. That happens sometimes. It doesn't mean give up. It means grow another one. 
Whoa, man. that's so cool. Yeah, I feel like I would be his worst customer. <laughs> <laughs> Sending me new plants all the time. I, that's, um, that's the thing. That's that's those are the people that he loves. He loves okay, good. A, a good challenge. So cool. Very and cool. another Latinx founded Austin CPG company. So check Absolutely. them out too. Absolutely. Very cool. Definitely. Well, Alyssa, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Is there any way that anyone can reach out to you? Do you want to leave anyone with a link or your Instagram yeah, or anything? Yeah. So I um, am super excited. You know, a lot of my role at SKU was not just kind of running the program, but also being able to like build a nice little community around that. Um, so I'm still working on building communities over at Ronin. We're going to be hosting monthly workshops. We're going to start an intro to finance for business owners, a free workshop that's going to run every month um, starting in 2021. So you can check out the roninsociety.com, head over to the workshops tab. And yeah, feel free to drop me a line because I love chatting with new people. I'm so, so happy to share resources to connect people with whatever it is they need. Um, you can reach me at a padron, that's P-A-D-R-O-N at theroninsociety.com. Awesome. Thanks again, Alyssa. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Cool. Thanks, Alyssa. Thank you Ooh, My Social Circle is a CPG agency-driven podcast based out of Austin, Texas. We're excited to share more behind-the-scene insights, chats with industry leaders, and whatever else we learn along the way. Follow us on Instagram at umaimarketing or check out our website, umaimarketing.com. Catch you back here soon.